0: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com com.
3: Roswell in the 21st Century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22 year long investigation conducted by the Air Force, but the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com.
4: Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, You can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Welcome
2: to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka.
1: Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining me, Gilda Wiecka, on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, bringing the latest tools and information during unprecedented times. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll address the COVID-19 challenge, preserving relationships. As COVID-19 and the resulting stay-at-home orders drag on, we're being confronted with an unforeseen challenge. Our lives and family dynamics have been arranged around parents going to work, children going to school, after after school activities, and trying to give our family undivided attention on the weekends. Our jobs, schooling, and curricular activities have given us much-needed space away from each other and a separate identity from that of our family positions. Understandably, children are expecting the same level of attention that we've always given them on the off times, but now we're together 24-7. In addition, parents are saddled with the responsibility of homeschooling, creating further stress between family members. Tempers are running high and patients running out. How can we steward our family through this trying situation, meeting everyone's needs while preserving our relationships? We need viable tools, and we need them now. With us today to address this dilemma is Dr. Moshe Engelberg. Dr. Engelberg inspires businesses worldwide to be their best, thinking differently, acting courageously, and leading with love. His innovative ideas and approaches are deeply rooted in a combination of applied behavioral science and diverse wisdom traditions. His extensive academic credentials include a PhD from Stanford University in communication and two master's degrees. His new book, The Amari Wave, Uplifting Business by Putting Love to Work, is inspiring people and organizations everywhere to prosper differently by putting the power of love to work. He's here today to help us apply the same principles in stewarding our families through COVID-19 and the resulting isolation and stressors his website, mosheengelberg.com. Dr. Engelberg, on behalf of our listeners and myself, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
5: It's my pleasure, Gwilda. Really nice to be with you.
1: So what, what all is your educational background? You have a PhD in communication.
5: Yes, I started in college studying psychology. I was very interested in how the mind works, how how we function as human beings, psychological processes. And that was at UCSD in University of California in San Diego, which had a strong experimental and behavioral focus. And that, and that was good. That was useful. And then I wanted more of a clinical background. Well, how do we apply this person to person within relationships? So I went to a school called University for Humanistic Studies, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, where The focus was more, as the name implies, on a humanistic perspective to understanding the human psyche and how to work together and and learning about counseling and communication. And then from there, I kept getting, for me, the driving force was frustration. I wanted more. I wanted additional tools and better ways to serve. I ended up getting a master's degree in public health at San Diego State University with a focus on health promotion, which was about behavior change. It's a lot of what we're seeing now in the world public health really stepping up and being seen. It's usually invisible unless something's broken and and really making a significant difference in our lives. And from there, and during that time, I had various jobs in the field, some internships, some paid jobs. And then after a few years, I got frustrated again. I thought in this, in health, we make a lot of assumptions and we're not nearly as good at marketing as some businesses, even those like RJ Reynolds that sell cigarettes, products that fundamentally kill us when they're used as designed. And So I went back to school, I ended up getting a um, fellowship at Stanford in communication, studied communication and, market, and marketing in the business school there, to answer some significant questions about how persuasion works, how influence works, and so on, to put to use for the greater good.
1: So how did you go from there to becoming interested in restructuring businesses?
5: Well, I started a consulting practice while I was there. I got a call from a local nonprofit called Community Partnership. said, we need help with our marketing. We serve constituencies that speak 36 languages, and we have a a diffuse message. How do we pull it all together? How do we stand out and own our space in the community? And that led to me starting my consulting firm called Research Works. It's been going for about 29 years.
1: Nice. During this time of the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, families are under amazing stress. What do you see as the major challenges families are facing as a result?
5: Well, there's several. One of them, and it's a very fundamental one, quote, is uncertainty. We just don't know how this will unfold or when it will end. And as human beings... Uh, uncertainty is hard for most of us. We we like we we like to make sense of things, and we like things to be known and predictable, and so on. And that's why traditional science, I think, has such has so much impact and such a hold on how we think and do things in this world. So it's dealing with the uncertainty and the open endedness. That's one.
1: Well, the the fear that that generates um, is pretty. Um Uh, counterproductive, because when people are in fear, they tend to be aggressive and fight or flight, and that's that's, that's about as far from love as you get, right?
5: It is. It is. That's opposite. John Lennon talked about two primary motivating forces in life, fear and love, and you're absolutely right.
1: So, in you know, we've had pandemics, we've had world wars, we've had all sorts of things that were cultural and global in nature, and they always leave their scars, Uh, upon the psyche of of the masses as well as, you know, passed on generations, you know, like the Holocaust. We're still not over these things. How can we minimize the trauma to our families uh, this time around?
5: Well, for one, we don't deny the reality of what's going on and the pain and suffering it's causing. And at the same time, we don't hyper focus on it and create unnecessary stories and put energy into it that's not needed. Because the more we feed it, Eckhart Tolle, the Power of Now guy, talks about that a lot. That we create pain bodies by what we feed with our thoughts and our ego. So the scarring gets more prominent the more we feed it and create un- unnecessary stories around it.
1: How can we shortstop that? I mean, it's like we're all <laughs> kind of trained to catastrophize, what flows us out of the heart and into fear again. How can we? How can we? You know, kind of catch that in the bud.
5: Well, two things. One is to recognize when we're doing that. And that requires some sense of self-awareness to know, okay, here I'm going, I'm catastrophizing. I'm going down that path. I'm getting caught up in fear. And we, we, we fortunately, our bodies give us signals as we feel this tightening, this constricting when we start catastrophizing. It can be exciting in a bizarre way because we're making up a big story. What if, oh my God, um, but it's also it, it also has that constricting feeling, as opposed to the expansive, calmer feeling that comes with the energy of love. so so that that that's one way. A second way, if I may, is to recognize that oppose, seemingly opposing truths can can be real, can be manifest at the same time. So in this case, and this has to do with the scarring as well, It's One truth is, this sucks. This is really hard. This is causing a lot of problems for a lot of people and a world full of hurt. And that's true. And the opposing, seemingly opposing truth is, this is incredible. This is what our world needs because we've been taking advantage of the planet, not being particularly good stewards and other warning signals, for example, the... um, climate change has been too slow and not dramatic enough or not directly and imminently affecting everyone to create the kind of change that this pandemic has led to very quickly.
1: You know, what's amazing to me is how quickly um, so many parts of the earth are are showing improvement just from the, what, months or so we've been um, not in there interacting with our grubby little hands.
5: Right. It's incredible. I just finished this fabulous book called The Overstory. And the, the it's about, underneath it's about trees and the magic of trees and the interconnection that kind of mirrors other aspects of our existence. And basically, he makes the point that if we let things go, if we let nature do its thing, the rate of recovery is astonishing. It doesn't take that long.
1: The same could be true of us. Yes, we're part of nature.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. The healing that can happen to us is, can be remarkably quick. It means getting out of our own way and letting go, surrendering.
1: And that's, that's another point about when you're in fear and you're tightened down, it it, um, inhibits the immune system. So staying in love is actually going to help us heal, isn't it?
5: It is. It is. And I recognize it's easy to say the words when I talk to um, clients or others. It's easy to say about being more love-oriented and letting go of fear, and it's hard to do. So I want to acknowledge that what we're talking about, quota, is not easy, and and it starts, I think, with self-compassion, recognizing this is hard. In times like this, it's really hard not to get caught up in the fear and the and the media stories that, that, that propagate it and so on. So we've got to give ourselves a break if we go in that direction. That's part of our human nature, but we can grow the other side of our human nature that that is
1: about love mm. Well there's so many things that we've opened up this first segment that I would love to delve into, it's time for us to take a commercial break, uh, but when we come back I'd love to talk about self-compassion Dr. Engelberg and I will return shortly, so don't go away You're listening to Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net
5: Are
2: you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents and tributaries from which to choose. With Jenny as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net.
3: In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional, rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com.
1: Again, this is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. To all of our faithful and youthful, thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on weathering the isolation? Email me at info@MissionEvolution.org and give me your ideas and questions so we can all share them on the very next show. This end from a member of our audience referencing the episode entitled Demystifying COVID-19, Conversation with a Biomedical Scientist. LD shares... I found your show so enlightening. It's scary how much we don't know about COVID-19, and even more frightening is the amount of misinformation being bantered around. Thank you and your guests for bringing light to the topic. Thank you, LD. I, too, found my time with Dr. Carroll very enlightening. Curious, dear audience, visit our archives at missionevolution.org to listen to demystifying COVID-19 conversations with a biomedical scientist. With us this hour discussing a conscious approach to family interactions is Dr. Moshe Engelberg. His website, mosheengelberg.com. Um, just before we went into the break, Dr. Engelberg, we were talking about, um, well, actually, there was one thing I wanted, I wanted to go back to, and that was fear and catastrophizing. And you said sometimes that can be exciting, the catastrophizing. How does that play in with people sitting around getting bored and suddenly having to churn up something to make a drama trauma out of?
5: <laughs> That's exactly how it shows up. sometimes we are uncomfortable just being and and uh and we call it boredom, and we get antsy and need to stir up stir things up and so we go we go to drama and we create big dramatic stories around what might happen and what if what if this happens what if that happens, and it's all made up it's again it's difficult not to do that, but that can lead to the catastrophizing. That is fueled because it 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 excites us and and gives us a charge and that charge can feel good we want we want more of that the thing is there's other ways to get that charge that are more sustainable and don't cause harm
1: you know i've seen some people rallying and 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 putting that energy towards making a difference in the world, whether they're doing, you know, podcasts from home, showing people how to exercise, you know, sharing their knowledge and, and being creative versus uh, catastrophizing. How can we shift over to that? Or is that a matter of being self-absorbed?
5: Well, I think some of it is being self-absorbed, and, and many people can slip into that trap of using this time when we're sheltering at home as being self-absorbed, but not in a positive way. So we can become self-absorbed in a way that's really more like self-pity, which doesn't serve anybody. We may need to do that a little bit. Uh, there was a woman I read about who was paraplegic, and people were amazed at how optimistic she was. And I said, how do you get through life? You can, you can barely move. There's so many things you can't do that you used to be able to do. And she said, I have a pity party for myself every morning for 20 minutes. I totally focus on how awful it is. Why me? Why me? And after 20 minutes, I'm done. And I clear it out. And the rest of the day, I'm happy and I enjoy and make the best of what I have. So if we need to, we can compartmentalize the self-pity party and shift states into something more positive.
1: How beautiful. I mean, that that takes a certain amount of um, introspection, though, doesn't it? To, one, know when we're doing it. And, two, control when and how we do it.
5: Yeah, exactly. It does. And it also means being careful who we surround ourselves with, because others can feed the fear and feed the catastrophizing. Um, To some degree, the news does that with a focus on what if this happens, what what if this bad thing happens, what if that horrible thing comes to be, and so on. So we have to have appropriate filters and choose how much time we spend with inputs that lead us to catastrophize. So, for example, I recommend checking in with the news once a day, two or three times if If you feel really compelled but keep it to just a few minutes each time, because there's really not much new happening that would that would require tuning in for more than a few minutes a day.
1: So, again, that balance between knowledge, facing the facts, not going into denial and not going into catastrophizing. Exactly. Exactly. What a balance. Well, it's definitely a challenging time. That's a fact you were talking a little bit about opposing truths and we've been kind of dancing around that just now. Would you go into that a little bit further for us? Because I think it's a concept that's kind of difficult to wrap one's heads around. Is it, or isn't it, you know, um, is it good? Is it bad?
5: Yes. And often the answer is it's both. (laughs) So (laughs) it isn't, (laughs) it isn't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So holding opposing truths or seemingly opposing truths, I think is fundamental to adulthood and, and living in this world of contradictions and paradoxes. Um, and the Zen tradition celebrates the paradoxes with, with what are called Koans, K-O-A-Ns, these, these things that don't really make sense. How do, we, how do we, what do we do with them? How do we, And the idea is it doesn't make sense because a lot in the world doesn't at the surface make sense. But at a deeper level, we recognize multiple things can be true and it can be simply in families it can be as simple as, boy, I can't stand my mother, I can't stand my father, I'm so mad at them. And and underneath that, still loving them for who they are and all they do. So we all experience these oppositional forces or oppositional truths that can coexist. In, in this space with this pandemic and COVID-19, I think it's more apparent because we have the, on an individual level, say if someone lost their job and they don't have money coming in, and they're homeschooling, and they've never done that before, and have kids running around wild and so on. That's, that's really difficult, and, and they can tune into this is so hard. I can't stand this. How can this happen to me? And on a, on a more macro level, we recognize this is exactly what we need to shake things up as a species because what we're doing was heading slowly or quickly, depending on how you look at it, heading towards self-extinction. And and so so we have a lot of practice in family life of dealing with these seeming contradictions. And that's exactly what we need to do now is recognize each of those things can be true. And for some people it's easier to focus on one than another. This is so hard, I can't stand this, and this is incredible. Look at our oceans clearing up, look at the skies, look at what's going on in the world, the the unity, the coming together, the oneness and Sometimes, again, some people need to shift back and forth. Others can hold both to be true at the same time. So this is a profound manifestation of seemingly opposing truth showing up and a test of our ability to hold space for both.
1: I think it's um, going to be paramount, our ability to hold space for both, because what we have right now is total chaos in, in certain regard, and there's never a more alchemical time than when we're thrust into chaos. That brings all the constituent parts loose and um, <laughs> movable and malleable to create a new structure. How do you suggest we go about that?
5: Well, for one, I would challenge the assumption of staying in one's comfort zone. Um, one of my kids when she was younger taught me during a challenging period with a teenager that there's really three states. There's uh, comfort, discomfort, the comfort zone, the discomfort zone, and the stretch zone. No, I'm sorry, the comfort zone, the stretch zone, and the crazy zone. And the comfort zone is where most of us go. We have our comfort foods and comfort activities and comfort people and so on. The another end, the crazy zone, is where things get so out of control and and so beyond what we're used to, it's difficult for us to process and act in. In between, though, is the stretch zone, which is where growth happens. So we are being thrust into the stretch zone if we see it as that and say, as hard as this is, this is the two opposing truths, as hard as this is, this is really uncomfortable this open, like you said, everything is, is shaken loose. This presents ways for me to make some good changes that I really need. So number one is not overrating or or trying to stay exclusively in the comfort zone, step into the stretch. zone. we really don't have a choice. We got it's here and we're doing it. So we might as well embrace it. That's one piece. The, the, the second piece is doing things as experiments, Einstein Einstein called them thought experiments, we can think about things differently. What if I was this way? What if I was that way? What if I responded to my kids in this fashion instead of that fashion? What if I let go of this rule and loosened up here and instead only focus on the things that were really important? So we can do these thought experiments, imagine things, and then we can implement them and see what happens. But if we have the mindset of experimentation, then we get a result and we assess, was that good, was that not good, and then we move forward.
1: It seems like, again, this is such a wonderful opportunity for that, but we're many of us in the way we interact in our families, we've even inherited this uh, from, for generations of the way we interact. We've, our coping mechanisms, and we're pretty well locked down in them. It seems like all that's being challenged right now. How can we um, recognize when we're coming from a lockdown pattern to free us up?
5: Well, again, the best way I know is we tune into our bodies. And when we're locked down, it's that same feeling of diminishment and constriction, and our breathing is shorter, or like, as I'm saying this, I'm doing, I'm kind of tightening my chest and my arms and so on, and, and that happens. We can invite people, if we have the right people in our lives, to point, point out gently when that happens. So essentially, we feel it. Except some of us might be so used to being in that state, it feels, quote unquote, normal. So that requires practice doing something else. One of those things is, in the spirit of mindfulness, is meditation. Now, a lot of people go to, say, well, I don't have time to meditate, I don't know how to meditate. That's too woo-woo. I don't think that's true of your audience, but for for some, that may be the case. So I would encourage people to do what um, David G, who's a meditation teacher, calls a one-minute meditation. And um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk, had a method for this. It's simply breathe in and breathe out eight times. And when you're breathing in, say I'm breathing in. When you're breathing out, say I'm breathing out. For 60 seconds, one minute, everybody has a minute. The change that can make to our physiology and our frame of mind is incredible.
1: Absolutely profound. And you know, we do have time now, (laughs) but we are out of time (laughs) in this segment though. So we're going to take another quick pause. Dr. Engelberg and I will return. Turn to our discussion shortly, so you stay right there. This is the Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exone Broadcast Network, www.exedbn.net.
2: for more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exonradiotv.com, or www.exontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next, we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
1: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire leading-edge information-packed episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Moshe Engelberg. We're speaking about approaching family dynamics with consciousness and love. His website, mosheengelberg.com. Dr. Engelberg, In in times past, families have lived and worked together on farms and so forth, many homeschooled. And now children go to school, and often both parents work out of the home. And it's been that way for several generations. So what structures and coping mechanisms have we built around the new format, and how are they being stressed at this time?
5: Well, you're right. You're right. We're used to something very different, and we're being thrust into this new reality, some called a new normal. So we need to make adjustments and make space for everybody. At the same time, it's important to create time and space for being alone. And for some, that's really difficult. You, you talked about that quote in the very beginning of, of today's show of finding everyone being packed together and being used to having a break by going to work or going here, going there and so on. And now we can't do that. So it's really a stress on our ability to be together. Uh, if there's ways to make agreements of I'm going to take some time for myself over here and I'm going to do this and I need half an hour of quiet, that's great and that may be the best the best someone can do. in, in some cases, we see the same happen with um, work the the, the work family. It's another form of family where people are thrust together. I was talking to my doctors, my daughter rather, works at a technology company and said, I'm in these Zoom meetings six or seven hours a day. I was telling her I want to do a Zoom thing with her. I said, I do that constantly. I need some space. And so we, we need to be able to carve that out for ourselves. And when we go to the, we have opportunities now to connect. We do all kinds of things through technology that we could have that was available to us for years, but we haven't done. For example, in my family, we had a Passover Seder uh, by Zoom and had people from all over the country, in fact, all over the world, participate. We could have done that last year, three years ago, five years ago. We chose, we didn't think of it. So at the same time, we have these constrictions and stressors on our frameworks. We also have these tools that let us go outside them. So it's a balance between the two.
1: Well, you know your book focuses on businesses and businesses are a structure but so are families how can those methods apply to both
5: well i call it the abc's the the fundament, fundamental framework that applies to both kinds of families the work family the business setting and life at home with family and the A stands for authenticity. Authenticity builds trust, and it's about showing up whole and being who you are. We see a lot of examples like uh, of this. For example, we see late night talk show hosts show up in their wearing a Noah Trevor wearing a hoodie, Jimmy Kimmel wearing a T-shirt, and so on, in their homes, in their li- in their offices or libraries, and it 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 everything else is stripped away, and we see them more for who they are. And that's true for all kinds of people in all kinds of work settings and at home, too. We're showing up more authentically. We don't have a choice. We're just showing up. Pajamas and sweatpants are, are getting a, a lot of use these days. So A is for authenticity. When that does it, builds trust. And it says, I'm not wearing a mask. Here's me. And, and again, trust is a result of that. That's the A. The B is belonging. Create a sense of belonging. And that's happening big time right now and belonging comes from a sense of identification so for in business it might be for example there's a popular grocery chain um, called Trader Joe's and when I walk into Trader Joe's I feel uplifted and connected that's that's my definition of love energy that uplifts and connects and a sense of identification I'm part of this family I I sit here I belong so creating a sense of belonging in the family we're seeing that big time on a on a level of an individual family where the people who are sheltering together, are, it's clear, we belong together, and and we don't have a choice, we're here in this together, but ironically and miraculously, it's happening on a global level where there's a feeling that I've never seen before in my 60 years on the planet of unity. And uh, we're the human race. We're in this together. So that's one of the hidden or maybe not so hidden gifts of this virus is it affects everyone equally. Having money doesn't protect someone from getting the virus. Having a certain skin color or religious belief system doesn't. Protect someone from getting this virus. So we all have something at stake. That's very different than it's been before. So the B is belonging that comes from that sense of a shared identification, and C, what we touched on earlier, grows compassion, the the and and, and collaboration that it, that it comes out in. So by collaborating, and we're doing the families are doing this at home. We have to work together. Okay, mom and dad, or whoever the parental figures are, we need to take care of these kids and get them schooled, and work with teachers who are in their homes doing their thing. Kids need to contribute to their parts. Other family members who can help through um, tech technological means if they need to. And the same holds true in business. There's a lot of companies stepping up and saying we're in this together. We're collaborating. Let's bring out the best in all of us, and everyone can contribute. We see this most profoundly in science where the usual quote unquote rules and regulations of we need to own this intellectual property, we're doing this on our own are those boundaries are being waived because there's a greater good at hand of saying, we need to solve this problem, we need an antiviral, we need a vaccine or we need a something to ease this. And so let's collaborate. We're in this together. So that's the ABC's authenticity belonging and collaboration that I think apply in both domains. Well,
1: it's amazing to me when you look at the large picture, how, um, boy, there's nothing like a little tiny virus to make us reevaluate what's really important and to make us so much more multidimensional when we're not locked down in our little greed, um, our little day-to-day lives. It's, it's like it's blown that open. And how we approach this is going to make all the difference in the world tomorrow. How do you see it looking tomorrow?
5: Well, I see what you're talking about as a contrast of paradigms. So in my book, which, as you said, is more business-centered, but the principles apply in all aspects of life, I talked about a business-as-war paradigm. Greed, let's crush the competition, let's capture market share. It's rather predatory, and it's fundamentally focused on money as the main outcome. It's us versus them. As opposed to the paradigm I call business-as-love or amare, and that's this wave, this Amari wave, this wave growing of more and more organizations putting love to work. And that's, that's, that's very clear now. We see all kinds of companies stepping up and treating people with more kindness, being more compassionate to their workers, to the communities they serve, and so on. So, that, so the business as love is more of a us and them. We're in this together paradigm. So that that's that's the to me, the backdrop of we're switching from one to the other, and we recognize that the benefits of the more love centered approach are many. They get us through this time much better because the fighting and the greed and stuff, while it can be profitable in business, it's not necessary to be profitable. and fundamentally, it wears us down. So the love energy, builds us up and and gives us more resources, the, the greed, the fighting, the war energy, it just wears us out. That's just what it does.
1: It seems to me like when the dust settles, it's going to really have uh, separated the wheat from the chaff, if you will. They'll be the ones that tried to hold to the old ways. And I don't think those old ways are energetically being supported anymore. Just based on you know prophecies and where we are and uh, our relative positioning in the galaxy and the frequencies that we're being bathed in at this point, this switchover was bound to happen. But you don't have to participate at the end of the day what's it going to look like is there going to be uh, you know massive failures in businesses that that didn't use the principles needed to uh, shift over
5: i think there will be a lot of failure a lot, a lot of destruction and and you talked about different wisdom traditions and what astrology tells us so, so yeah there is some different forms of prediction of th- this has been coming and and it's here now and we can, we can turn to um, Hinduism and the idea of three main deities, of, of a deity of creating, sustaining, and destroying. Here in the West, we're not real big on destroying. That's e- evidenced by the last recession we had about 12 years ago that we didn't allow broken things to completely break. We stepped in and, quote-unquote, fixed them or bailed them out because... We have this hyper-focus on creating and sustaining. And in some other cultures and some religions, there's this the greater acceptance of destruction as a natural course of events. It's Death is not a bad thing. It's an inevitable thing. And the more we accept that, the better we'll be. So I predict that there will be destruction and death of some organizations, some companies, some social organizations, um, so social structures that, to your point, are no longer supported by the energy that exists. And I predict there'll be a lot of resistance to that. As human beings, we have this deep desire for the status quo. This will be hard for a lot of people to let go of, and they'll be fighting, and it'll be an uphill battle. Some may find their way through it. And and I think the the path of least resistance is to let things that are dying, that need to go, that the universal energy no longer supports them, as you said, to let them go. And we, we may mourn, we may be grateful, and, but all of that makes space for something new, and we need, so need something new. Just Absolutely.
1: W- we do, uh, but right now we need to take another commercial break. Dr. Engelberg and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion. Don't go away. This is Mission Evolution on the Exxon Broadcast Network. you.
0: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
3: In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet state, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com.
1: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest you think would be of interest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. Speaking of gifted people of service to the world, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Dr. Moshe Engelberg. His website, mosheengelberg.com. We were talking about you know the structures dying and and you know I hate to say it, but some some of them need to go right um, you, mm-hmm. Life renews itself, and the only way it can renew itself is in the winter, the leaves fall off the trees, they die, they become loam for the tree to grow further in in the spring so i can I can see the usefulness of this, and we talked about how that 's going to look or possibly could look in businesses. how's it going to look in family and personal relationship?
5: Well, it's shifting relationships. I think at the end of the day, there'll be a record number of babies born about eight, <laughs> eight nine months from now. Yeah, and, it could be interesting, right? What yeah. are we going
1: to call these? The COVID boomers?
5: <laughs> something like that. Something like that. And and I think there'll also be a lot of marriages relationships ending where people are put together and they see, they see deeper into who they are, who their partner is, what the relationship is and say, this is not for me. So I, I think we'll see both a a birth and a death and a new beginnings and and new endings that make space for the new beginnings to take hold. And that families are are connecting in new and different ways. I was talking to a friend of mine who said, I have more time with my kids than I ever had before. And I thought I was pretty involved as a dad before. Now I see them Every day in the mornings, I see them. Every day around lunchtime, I see them every day at the end of the day, put them to bed, and so on, and and loves it. And there's a lot of new traditions forming, so I recommend families codify these traditions. It might be, well, let's play cards at, at five o'clock before dinner for 20 minutes, or whatever the activity is, is to recognize these things feed us. So people are calling other family members for and I use the word calling, not texting, not emailing, but calling to say, hear my voice, let me hear your voice. It's a deeper connection than texting, than emailing and so on. So we're doing things because we have this strong desire to connect and not be alone and share what's going on with others we love and care about. And the the, ha- the new habits and traditions that support that can be sustained. So it's like I, I tell clients in business, you're making big changes. Think about what you want to sustain. What do you want to keep that this, the opportunity presented by this, by this pandemic and some say that Chinese characters for crisis mean both danger and opportunity. So there's both sides of it. So looking at the opportunity side, what mechanisms are you creating that you're gonna hold on to? The same applies to families. What traditions and habits and ways of being together are you creating? you're going to hold on to and what are you going to let go of
1: making a list of that um uh, really solidifying it is pretty valuable because don't you think (laughs) the tendency will be to just slip back into the old patterns um unless the virus and the uh, resulting situation has shattered things so badly there's no way to slip back into it which way do you think it's going to go both both (laughs) (laughs) there we go again tis and tis not
5: yeah yeah exactly I, i think there'll be some people who want to say i can't who are saying, no, I can't wait for things to get back to as they were. And I think people mean that in some respects, like, I want to be out and about, I want to do my own grocery shopping, I want to get together with friends, I want to have my kids be back in school, I want to be back at work, and so on. So those all make sense. But the idea of reverting back to all our old habits and ways of being and not benefiting from this crisis, to me, that would be an extraordinary mistake.
1: It'd be a tragedy, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Yeah. I mean, this is the hugest opportunity for transmutation in a good way that I've certainly been aware of this lifetime. Um, and if if we if we let this go, I'm going to be very frustrated.
5: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and I'm grateful to you for doing this show on a regular basis because that's something that helps people, helps listeners make space for for spending an hour with you, and today me, or, who, or in the future, whoever your guests, your guests are. Um, but it invites them to make these kind of changes and be conscious of what choices they're making. So I think that's the most important thing people can do is be aware and make conscious choices. Don't just let things slip back without choosing it.
1: Speaking of which, there, there's a chapter in your book I found particularly intriguing. It's called "Business and the Evolution of Consciousness." It fits so nicely with this show, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, I could also it could also relate to families and the evolution of consciousness. Would you go into that a bit for us?
5: Sure. The the idea here it's looking at business as a as a macro entity, and and I claim the purpose of business. Is not to make money. The purpose of business is to make people's lives better. That's how it provides value to society. And a byproduct of that is making money, a critically important byproduct. And the more the better, so the more money, the more good people can do. And so how business evolved is kind of how life evolved and families evolved. Where for millennia we had this in the Tao de Ching, the the there's a masterful introduction by Ralph allendale Dale to the English edition of the Tao de Ching. It's the central text of Taoism and some couple thousand years old, been around for a while, and it kind of fore, foresaw what's going on. So the, the first epoch, as they called it, was the yin phase. The yin is a softer, more receptive energy, and it, w- it was more cooperative. Why? Because it benefited everybody to be cooperative. It helped everyone, it helped us survive. So that was what the philosopher Hegel would call the the thesis the the way things ran, and then and then about ten thousand years ago, about the time of the agricultural revolution, things shifted, and that was because there could be some people who had control and had ownership of land and and um, controlled, for lack of a better word, the the many. So the few dominated the many and there was a hoarding of resources and and so on. That led to a lot of imbalance, and that was this more aggressive combat of yang energy. Now, yang energy in itself isn't bad, it's just different, and we were out of balance. Chinese medicine is all about balance of yin and yang. So for about 10,000 years, we've been in this very aggressive yang phase, that, and the that the antithesis, and now we're entering the thesis where we take the best of the yin phase, the best of the yang phase. So the yang phase led to a lot of good, a lot of techn- technological breakthroughs, inventions, and other way- things that advance society. And now we're becoming the synthesis phase. So it's, reckon- it's saying that there's we're now seeing the decline and fall of the yang phase. Let's take the good of it, meld it with the good of the yin phase, and move it forward into this new phase, whatever whatever we call it. And, and, and that's where we're at, and that applies to business as well as families. And we get, as, as Dale put it in the book, we get to be the, the midwives
1: of our own rebirth. How beautiful is that? Would you, um, what's your vision uh, for the new world post-COVID-19? What do you think is the best outcome?
5: Mm, I love that question. I'm just sitting with that for a moment. I think my vision for the best of this is the recognition that our lives can be better and we can be, we can be happier, we can be more compassionate, we can more, be more f- fulfilled, we can be richer in all the dimensions of rich, including money. And the way to do that is to be unified, be in this together, recognize that we still compete, we still want to win. And we can do that in the context of unity, of of a togetherness. And the more we balance being for ourselves with being for others, the better off we'll be. So I see a world in which there's, I think it'll come down to about a 15, 20% improvement after it falls out, which is significant in how business functions and how families function, how we operate as a society. Hopefully it will be a lot more like 50, 60, 90%. But even if we get to 15, 20% improvement through this sense of unity, this recognition of oneness and we're in this together, more compassion and supporting each other and saying it feels good to help and helping others helps me. That's where I see things are going and that's what I think will improve our lives and our world.
1: We have just a little bit of time left. Would you please tell our audience where we can find out more about you and your book?
5: Sure. Well, my website, as you mentioned, is Moshe Engelberg. I'll spell it because it's not an easy name M O S H E E N G E L D E R G, mosheengelberg.com. And the book, The Amari Wave Uplifting Business by Putting Love to Work, is available on Amazon and all the usual, well, now it's online spots. And I, was, I, I would love for people to read it and let me know. I'm, I'm pretty good at communicating back. Let me know what, what you think, what ideas and questions. And I'm working on the second book called Riding the Mare Wave Stories of Leading with Love. And, and I'm inviting submissions of a good stories so you can send them to me uh, through email on my website or, or at, um, Moshe, at Moshe, M-O-S-H-E, at MosheEngelberg.com.
1: Well, Moshe, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and for all the beautiful things you're bringing to a world in a a great time of need.
5: It's really been a pleasure. I wish you all the best to your listeners as well, and thank you for the opportunity to be talking with you.
1: (laughs) Our guest this hour has been Dr. Moshe Engelberg, author of The Amari Wave, Uplifting Business by Putting Love to Work. He's helped us apply the same principles found in his book to stewarding our families through COVID-19 and the resulting isolation. His website, mashaengelberg.com. Remember, our entire information-packed episode collection is available for listener download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda on the Exxon Broadcast Network, net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. Until then, be safe, be well, and choose love. Let's make this world different.